Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws of Ninja Forms fame and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. Today, we're going to be talking about onboarding, but before we dive into things, a few words from our sponsors. Mastermind.fm would like to take a moment to introduce you to Influx WordPress customer support. Helping your users understand and make the most of your product is an around-the-clock job, and even the largest businesses need a hand with support sometimes. Influx will augment your team and take the stress out of scaling and scheduling 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Pricing is transparent and scalable, so you're sure to find the service that's right for you and yours. Take a look right away at Influx.com to find your specialized WordPress customer support solution. Welcome back, and before we start today's topic of onboarding, perhaps a few updates from our end. James, I know you've just come back from WordCamp Nashville, that it? Yeah, we just got back from WordCamp Nashville. They had their first two-day camp. They've been a one-day camp up till now, so it's kind of a change for them. And so we had fun. We sp- we were a platinum sponsor, and we sponsored their after party as well, uh, printed some WordCamp Nashville t-shirts to give out. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Nice. And from my end, I am just booked my tickets for LoopConf, which is going to be held in Fort Lauderdale in Florida, and also WordCamp Orlando right after. So I'm looking forward to perhaps meet some of our audience there and lots of other WordPress developers, especially at LoopConf. And I think browsing through the schedule, it's going to be a really interesting technical conference. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how it went when you get back. Okay, James, so you suggested this topic on boarding. We were also discussing about your experience showing Ninja Forms to the people at WordCamp Nashville. And that was one of the inspirations for talking about onboarding. Yeah, uh, about January of last year, I started writing about onboarding a little bit. I talked about, are you intentional about your onboarding? I talked about onboarding customers, onboarding affiliates. And I planned on doing a whole series on different areas of onboarding. And I kind of stopped because we started doing active discussion on NinjaForms 3.0. But now that NinjaForms 3.0 is launched, it's a little over two weeks now behind us. And we're kind of gearing up for, okay, what's next? And to be honest, we've been marketing right along, but now it's time for us to kind of amp up our marketing of 3.0. Because what we noticed at WordCamp Nashville, and what we've noticed for some time now, is most users who experience 3.0 of NinjaForms, whether that be, whether they have a favorite product that they already use, or they're just new, once they see it and experience it for themselves, they don't want to use anything else. They really love the experience. So we know that our marketing effort has got to be helping people discover Ninja Forms 3.0. So that's kind of the process that we've been going through. And we've been thinking about how do we onboard users to try it out? We have the advantage of having a free product, so it's easy for them to install it. But the truth is, if you already use a product, you are less likely to install something else and try it out because you already have gone over the learning curve or the hump of figuring out how to use a product. Why start trying to learn something new? Even though we know if you do try it, you'll probably want to switch. And so that's kind of been our focus. But you and I have also talked about this from a podcasting standpoint as how do we onboard new listeners to mastermind.fm and new listeners into the community so that we can continue to hopefully reach and impact other they're small business owners within the WordPress space. So I figured, why not? Let's talk about onboarding. Let's talk about what it is. Let's talk about all the different areas 
you might think of, because a lot of times when we think of onboarding, we might think of either just onboarding a new team member, like, okay, how do they get up to speed, learn the skills they need so that they can be productive members of the team? Uh, Or we think about onboarding as it pertains to a product. But there are plenty of other areas that we might want to discuss. Yeah, I think many people are in our position as well as not just about Ninja Forms or our podcast, especially if you're coming into a crowded market with your own new, perhaps innovative product. It's very common to see people who you know amazed at your product, but how do you make sure that people out there get to know about your product and actually have the exposure necessary to be able for that switch in their brains to click and make them switch from another product, especially to your product? And perhaps we should start by defining what is onboarding in your view. Yeah, I think that's probably a great place to start. So onboarding is really, I kind of think about it, if you've ever driven down like a a major highway or interstate, you have these exits and these ramps to get to the city or the destination that you want to get to. Uh, Maybe that is a restaurant or a gas station or an attraction that's at that stop. And as you go through that process, you get all of these exits and and you kind of want to track them on that. How do you make it as easy for them to get to the attraction, the restaurant, the gas station? Onboarding is a lot like that. It's it's basically ramps for your employees, users, customers, community, or whatever to get access to your product, your content, your business, or the skills needed to succeed. And so that's kind of what we're talking about with onboarding is how do we how do we create ramps for them to get involved in the community? And this isn't just a single ramp in usual in most cases. When onboarding, you're not dealing with a single process of getting into your product, but many times multiple ways of getting involved into your business, your product, your content, or something of that nature. So that's that's essentially onboarding. A lot of times you see it like Trello has has an example of a Trello onboarding board for onboarding a new employee. And that's a process that the employee comes in. They come in and they learn about the team that they're working with. They find out where how to order equipment and how to get that equipment for their desk so that they can get to work. They they find out about logins for all the different processes that that company uses to do business. Um, that's the onboarding process. It's how do you get them up to speed in the quickest way possible and the easiest way possible and remove as much friction as possible. Yeah, I think I can definitely see how this works on the employees or the internal kind of perspective. And we use tools like Trello and other tools like Confluence, Google Docs, and all that can be used to define a process that people can follow. I've seen other companies who actually have checklists as well that people need to say, read an article or a set of articles and then check that off or perform tasks and check that off then have somebody else from the team review their progress i know in in your case in wp ninja you also assign a mentor to your new employees Perhaps uh, from my perspective, what I'm not clear about is on the outside kind of like not internal, but external to your company. What is onboarding vs. say just general marketing and advertising? How do you define onboarding? Yeah, I mean, that that's a that's a super fair question. So onboarding from from the outside standpoint, you're asking yourself a few questions. Um, like we, we've already talked about employees, right? New team members need a quick path to get up to speed and gain the skills needed to be productive to, you know, productive members of your team. Users need an easy path to use and understand and be effective with your product. So how do you onboard people in your product, especially if you have a free product? How do you get people from zero to 100 as fast as possible? And for like for us, for a form builder, is how do you get a person from installing Ninja Forms to having a form on the front end of their website collecting data as quickly as possible? So one way we may do that is we have templates. So when you click add a new form, you can start by adding fields, but 
that can be kind of daunting. We have three dozen plus fields that you could add to your form. If you don't know what you're doing, that might be a barrier to entry. So below that, you can we say, hey, you can start by adding new fields to your form or use one of these quick made templates. And so there's a template for a contact form. You click one button and your form is created for you instantly. That's that's an example of a quick onboarding process to say that you've done it. You've done all you need to do. You've clicked one button and now you have a form that you can start using and, and start to experience what that looks like. We've given you a sample of fields that we think are most necessary for you. So that's an example of maybe user onboarding. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to see where onboarding fits in. So like in an earlier episode, we spoke with Zach Katz and he spoke a lot about the, his marketing process and how to attract people to his plugin and his website and also like show which use cases would make his plugin an ideal solution mm -hmm. so like i from what i understand onboarding is when people are already in, on your website and are say interested in testing out your plugin and that's when onboarding starts would that be fair that's that is one time onboarding can start and I think that's where I think we get kind of get confused at times with onboarding is we think there is only one time when onboarding starts. But when I'm thinking about onboarding, I'm thinking onboarding starts at wordpress.org when they're searching for my free plugin. It, that's onboarding them to get into and, and interested in the plugin. From there, that description page, I'm also onboarding them into using the product. So once they get into the product and they're using it and playing around with it, this is more for the freemium model, obviously, because it's there for free. But then once they're using the product. There is what I would call customer onboarding. How do I create paths that lead people to know, want, need, purchase the products that we're selling? Um, and then it doesn't end with just that initial purchase, but how do you move them up in your value tiers, whatever it is that you're offering? How do you bring them up to that next level of customer? How do you onboard them further? Uh, if somebody buys a product from you, uh, say you sell a add-on or a premium product, onboarding may start, you may have the purchase onboarding process, like how do you get them to purchase as quickly as possible, but then you've given them a product. How do you get them as comfortable with that product as possible? Part of that may be an email, a series of emails. Now that you've purchased, here's what you need to know about the product. Uh, onboarding can happen inside the product as they install it. How do they use it? So there's there's a lot of different channels within a product that you can think about onboarding. Uh, so to the point where it can be it can be intimidating, right? Because there's so much stuff. It's not something you just wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm going to fix all my onboarding processes and get them all in place. This is something that is a process that you are thinking about, that you're you're working through, and it takes a lot of time to get it right. Yeah, sounds pretty in intense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so let's give some practical examples. You mentioned .org, say. How would you start with onboarding people just from your .org plugin listing? Well, so the so one of the first things I might do with onboarding from .org is I want to look at my description. I want to look at my plugin page and does it make it as clear as possible what my product does and how to use it right away? So does it give them confidence that it's going to be easy when they install it? Uh, we're just getting ready to revamp our .org page. Like we did very little stuff for the initial launch, but now that we're launched, we're going to come back and review that. So one, does it show up in search for .org for the terms that we're wanting to target so that we're actually getting the people that are looking for what we have uh, available to get it in front of their eyes. Then does that page inspire confidence, uh, add enough screenshots to give them uh, a feel for what the product does and, and remove some of the, the, the maybe the intimidation of, of getting into something new. Uh, and then it's 
the whole goal is just to get them to install it. That's that's the first onboarding start from .org. From .org, we have one goal in mind, get them to install NinjaForms onto their site. That's it. That's the only purpose for me of .org. <laughs> get them to install the free plugin. Because once they install the plugin, we move into a new onboarding process. It's the next phase of that of that process. It's step two. And that is get them to be effectively using the product with as little problem as, as possible. And this has an added advantage. If you do this right, you actually increase the chance that they will purchase from you because they have a great experience with your product, but it also lowers your support costs because there's less need for them to come and ask, how do I do something? Because your onboarding process helped them through that. So that's uh, really interesting. And I would like to take a different angle on this because I, I think the WordPress plugin space is really heating up, you know. So most plugins will be in a position where they're trying to compete with another plugin or more plugins that are already well established. So obviously there's a finite market and you're trying to get a slice of it and grow that slice until you're the leader, hopefully. So in your case, what you mentioned, people are searching for a forms plugin. Most of those would be people who are using their first forms plugin because as they would have just installed what they usually install. And so for those people who would usually typically just install what they know about already, how do we enter in that in their vision and get them to switch over? And how do we make it easier for them to switch over from another plugin where they already have their settings, content possibly, you know, how do we go about that? Right. There's there's a number of layers to this, right? Uh, so if you're brand new to a space, and well, I'll use the form space because that's what I know. And there are new form solutions coming up all the time. A lot of that is not initially in .org. You're building awareness outside of .org so that you can raise in the popularity on .org and get, get some more visibility there. Um, .org is tough right now. They're getting ready to re obviously redo the plugin directory and search is going to get a major overhaul at that point. And when they do that, it's very likely that that will solve a lot of search problems. But the truth is, it's a, it's a challenging process to get that search currently to show up. So we there's a lot of terms that we don't show up for. The, what helps us, I think, is we have so many active installs now that if you're searching popular, we're on page two. And so you come across this pretty fast. If you're looking for a form solution, I think we are the second form solution you'll come across. The first being, of course, Contact Form 7 because it's been around for just so long. So that's a, that's a tough one. Like on .org, you're going to have a hard time gaining exposure solely from .org. You're going to have to take a, what I would call a multi-pronged approach of getting awareness outside of .org, which will then make your .org plugin more aware. But that doesn't mean you just don't fix up your description and you don't fix up your plugin page and that readme. That has to be tight. That is your portal. That is your first entryway. So even if you're getting written about somewhere else, you want to make sure that directory page is amazing so that people can keep sending users to that page to gain the information that they're looking for. So that's kind of where I would start as far as the .org side of things. I think uh, especially visuals are important on .org as well. Like sometimes, let's say I'm using a forms plugin every now and then, if, say every year, I would go check if there's something new, you know. So obviously I'll see four or five new plugins. I'm not going to stay reading the description. So the first thing I do is either check the screenshots page, tab, or check out if they have a video of the user interface and how it works. And that will usually give me a pretty good idea whether it's a challenger to what I already use or something very amateurish that is worth ignoring. Yeah, that's that's a huge 
huge point. And it's funny because until we launched 3.0, we never had screenshots. That When you click on the screenshots tab, we just sent them to our site to get examples of how it was. So like, yeah, if you want screenshots, just check out our documentation. But we never actually put screenshots. But with 3.0, because 3.0 is very pretty, yeah. <laughs> we went, oh no, we need screenshots because we want people to immediately see how nice it looks. So we actually did go that extra step and said, okay, we need screenshots because I do the same thing. Even when I'm looking at competitors and I'm going through dot, dot .org to see what other forms plugins are doing and what's new and what's happening, I look at all their screenshots to determine if I'm even worried about them. <laughs> like, because if I look at it, screenshots and I'm like, oh, that's a that's a really ugly UI. I am not worried about you or that looks very complicated or that is very limited. Usually you can tell that just by looking at a few screenshots and you're like, nope, I'm out. Like I'm not worried. So I'm sure users do that exact same thing. So screenshots, you're right. Visual is huge. I would say to almost anybody from an onboarding perspective, your product pages should have screenshots. Your product pages should have videos. People want to be able to watch something for a minute and a half, two minutes and get a good inclination right there. Yeah, I want to use this product or no I don't um, and and we we need to improve on that ourselves like we have lots of pages without videos showing how the products work I'm curious do you know any plugins off the top of your head that do this really well you know I I don't know of any off the top of my head it's it's been a while since I've gone scouring the plugin directory for ideas like that I do plan on going through and finding some I suspect jetpack would do that yeah, I mean that that would make sense. I could I could imagine Jetpack would have some. Uh, but then again, Automatic hasn't always done great with their marketing. So maybe maybe they don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, screenshots are nice, but Jetpack is a huge plugin. I think in this case, I would put a video here. I, I would agree. I think they need probably at least a good 30 to 60 second sales video that talks about what Jetpack is, what it does. That would tell people because at first glance, you may not even understand what Jetpack does because it's such a huge toolkit and you don't even you might not even realize it. And on this point, I think we ourselves have also switched from a video showing just you know, I think it was me rambling on for 15 minutes showing all the features of the plugin. And uh, people were actually coming on YouTube and saying, hey, this is really boring, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to change it up a bit. And so what we've done is focus on the benefits rather than the features. So we had a, just a nice video. We used a tool, online tool, which I can link up in the show notes. And we're just, you know, this one minute video, 30 second one minute video showing the benefits of using our plugin, getting people pumped up about using it and not actually showing the interface and all the boring features in it, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think for the most part, we do pretty bad with videos in general in the WordPress community. Uh, some do it better, you know, some do it better or worse than others. But yeah, I think a video should be no more than 30 to 60 seconds long if you can help it. Anything over two minutes long is too long, way too long because people check out. And I would almost recommend instead of walking through everything that you're doing in the video simply talk about the benefits while people are seeing the plugin in action in the background you don't have to describe everything that you're doing let the video speak for itself use that time to say the things that are important as far as the benefits of the product uh, so like we're working on a video for ninja forms 3 for our homepage, and it's a little longer than i want it to be simply because of all the stuff that we want to say about it but the stuff that we're saying isn't necessarily i'm not walking them through here's how you add a field here's a, like i'm talking about all the things that are going on in the builder but while I'm talking about it in a very upbeat kind of way I'm just 
a form is being built in the back end. It's just happening. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, I see this is happening really quick. And hopefully by the end, I'm, by the end of me talking about building a form, a form has already been built and they get an idea of just how fast they could build a form. And so that's, that's kind of that, that, that experience. You know, like uh, on .org itself, one thing I've been frustrated by myself in the past, especially when starting out, and I still see people struggling nowadays when they install a new plugin, they go to the installation tab on .org, on the plugin page, and there's just this three lines, upload the plugin, activate it, that's it, you know. And I think it's been copied all, all around, you know, like all thousands of plugins are using the same installation instructions which give no information to the user right precisely when you want to you know handhold the user and make sure that he can actually install the plugin and know the basic features and how to get it running basically yeah no i can agree with that i think we probably follow the same line of copying the same kind of boilerplate of install activate the plugin you're good to go but there could be some additional information we could add there like um you know get building your first form you know setting up your first email action or whatever the case may be whatever we want to say we could probably set up a few things that you should do um or how to or some basic instructions on how to add a form to your page things like that that would be a little more beneficial than just install the plugin yeah i mean even the fact that i'm on your uh, installation page and it says upload the ninja forms directory to your slash wp content slash plugins directory nowadays most of them most of users i presume use the uploader rather than do this through ftp so yeah many do many do and this is what i was saying that's just being copied over by everyone yeah oh i completely agree so even on the faq then you have a link to your documentation mm-hmm yeah. So like I said, there's even with ours, like with our readme page, we just updated it enough to show some of the 3.0 stuff and change the verbiage. But we have not gone through and overall our frequently asked questions are um, like for frequently asked questions, we should be talking about email because email is one of the questions we get the most. Why does an email get sent or why didn't I receive an email? Even though it's not our fault, we could start by being proactive and mentioning right there under frequently asked questions that if you want to increase the reliability of your email, you should be using an SMTP service or a transactional email service because hosts are notoriously unreliable for sending email. Yeah, I, I see the other notes tab, which I guess is a pretty redundant tab nowadays. Yeah, unless you have something unique to do with it, you probably could just get rid of that. And how do you think the support forum on .org is that part do you consider it part of your onboarding process it can be it certainly can be we you know up until recently we've not really touched that .org support we we always kind of refer people back to our support system but onboarding into your support system is still an onboarding process you need to think about for some that's asking them to search for their answers first for some it's asking them to say you know, to pick some frequently asked issues so that you can give them their answers sooner. So that part of that onboarding may be onboarding them not into support, but away from support and into documentation. You just have to think about your uh, your goals and what you're going for, which is actually actually maybe a good point to transition. But before we transition, we should probably take a little break for another sponsor. We'd like to take a moment to draw your attention to a new host in town, Prest Managed WordPress Hosting. Prest offers all the benefits and performance of a managed WordPress host running on Amazon Web Services with some compelling additional features for those of you doing work for clients. Prest is a white label service that lets you create your own brand and bundle hosting into the services you already provide. The best part is that they handle all the hard stuff like billing, customer support, and server maintenance. 
put together pre-configured plugin and theme packages for your clients' needs, and build a recurring revenue stream as a Prest partner. Check them out over at Prest.net and turn the hosting over to them so you can focus on a great client experience complete with hosting. Welcome back. So let's talk a little bit. We've been talking about onboarding. We've talked about the different ways of onboarding. We've talked about it as it pertains to .org uh, primarily and, and your README and how you can affect that page uh, with frequently asked questions or screenshots, making it visual. We've talked about videos. Let's talk about how to think through the onboarding process. How do we start to go through this process? And we know there's lots of places that you can onboard. And so you have to think about your own business critically and think, where are the different areas that I could improve the process? Uh, for me, I was thinking about it a little while ago about affiliates. How do I make it easier for affiliates to come in, become an affiliate and start talking about our product and start earning money? Uh, we've thought about it from a commu developer community standpoint standpoint? How do we make it easy for developers to get into our system, build add-ons, get the documentation that they need so that they can, you know, more effectively use NinjaForms and build on top of NinjaForms? There's there's all these areas where we can onboard, but how do we think through those processes? So let's start there. The first point I'd make is you have to start with your end goal in mind. Like whatever it is you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to accomplish, you have to think, what is my, what am I trying to accomplish? Am I trying to get users successfully using my product? Am I trying to make the sale? Am I trying to, to get the affiliate? Am I trying to get the affiliate to make more money? Am I trying to get some, you know, a developer to build on top of, uh, of your, you know, your foundational product, whatever that may be? You have to think about where you're trying to go. And I know that sounds obvious, but a lot of times we start at the beginning and don't really know where we're going. We play the, I've, I've probably said this before the Charlie Brown approach where we shoot an arrow at the fence and then we walk up and draw a circle around it and claim bullseye. And that's not the best approach. The best approach is to say, no, what's my target so that I can, when I go back to the beginning, every decision that I make is for an ultimate goal. And if it does not help me get closer to that ultimate goal, I don't do it. Like that's my starting point. So the starting point is actually the end. And uh, just to make it a bit more practical, could you maybe give us an example from your work at Ninja Forms on how you went through this process and tie it to something specific? Yeah, uh, I think we can do something like that. So one of the things that we knew with new users, the new user experience of using Ninja Forms, you've installed Ninja Forms for the first time, we have two approaches that we do this for onboarding. But the, the, the end goal is to get them to have a form on the front of the end of their website collecting submissions. That's the goal. When somebody installs Ninja Forms, that's the first thing we want them to do. And if they start doing that, and that's an easy and pleasant experience, we increase the likelihood that when they need to do something more complicated, they're going to come and buy from us. So we know that's our end goal. So we did two things. The first thing we did is we inst we actually create a contact form for them by default. And this contact form essentially does not need them to do anything. All they have to do is add it to the site. Uh, now, we we have some better onboarding where we can do or we can make that very clear. Hey, just go ahead and add this contact form to your site and you're good to go. But not every user is looking to just do that contact form. So we haven't, we haven't really honed in on that. But what we do is we give them a contact form right out of the box. It exists. It's created. You don't even have to build a form. It's there. Uh, the second thing we do is when in Ninja Forms 3, when you add a new form, when you go to create a new form, we offer you those templates. I talked about this a little bit earlier, right? So start. there's a simple text that says, start by adding fields or use one of our pre-made templates. 
When you click one of those templates, you spin up and create a fully functional form that sends an email to you as an administrator as a notification that you somebody submitted your form. It saves, creates a save action, so it saves it to the database, and it creates a success message so that your user will get feedback that they filled out the, filled out the form. It comes with all of the most used and pre-configured settings that most people would ever want, and it has those settings configured out of the box so that you, in one or two clicks, can either have your form built and with one extra click can have that form on the front end of your website. And so that's a, an example of our goal was to get a form on their site as fast as possible, and this was our way of handling that. Now, we're not done. We can improve on that. But that was our first step. Right. So second step? <laughs> so so the second step uh, to this process of thinking through an onboarding process, I think, is you have to learn to think like the person that you're trying to reach. So think like a user, think like a customer, think like an employee, regardless of what you're trying to onboard for. If you're onboarding an employee, you have to think of what it's like to come into a new organization for the first time and all the things that they need to do in the process that they need to go. If you think can think like a user properly, if you can think like a customer properly, if you can think about the segment of the person you're trying to reach. So for plugins, a lot of times that's your DIY user or a developer or an agency. If you can figure out what an agency wants, wants, what a developer wants, what a user wants, you can start to steer them in the direction that will be the most beneficial for them. So thinking like a user is that first step. You know what your goal is. Now you have to think from a user coming at this from a clear perspective, never having approached your product before, your service, your content, your company, whatever, and start there. And this, is, I, I think this is a very important point and something very interesting that the whole team should be involved in, possibly. So I've heard that some companies or small businesses actually put names to these users, you know, like, so mm -hmm. it could be like developer Dan or do it yourself, Bob, you know, and really mm -hmm. give them this whole personality so people can actually, even internally, or the people on your team can relate to them and, you know, they say, oh, this would be good for Bob, say, because everybody knows that that's DIY Bob and, you know, make them really real so that uh, once you're developing the product or the use cases, you know what you have in mind very clearly. Yeah, it's a, it's a great approach for personalizing who it is you're trying to sell to. So you may have a persona is what we usually would call them, right? You have this persona called Small Business Susan, right? And Small Business Susan, we know that she's running a business that probably makes less than $100,000 a year. She has, you know, maybe one employee. She has two kids. She's married two-income family or her husband's doing something else, uh, you know, doing some other job. We know a little bit about her demographic. We know a little bit about her income. We know a little bit about her wants, her needs. And you actually take that persona and you try to create a person. Some people will go as far as to put up a photograph of small business Susan. So you can, so when your support team and your marketing team and everybody is thinking about how do we help small business Susan, they've got a person that they're looking at and they're saying this is the person that we're trying to reach. This is the person we're selling to. This is the person we're trying to make their life better. Like this is this is the individual. So yeah, personas are a great way of thinking like that user. Now, personas are tough because in the early stage of a business, if you don't know 
what your business attracts and you don't know who's, you know, it, you have to go through a, a long process of figuring out what a small business Susan look like and is small business Susan really one of your customers. But once you have some data, I think a company, you know, a company like ours that's been around for a few years, you know, yeah, you, you should be able to look back at your demographic data, look back at your sales data, look back at your support tickets and start to say, okay, no, we've got a pretty good idea now of the users who buy us, uh, who purchase from us and what they need. Let's start really honing in on this and let's figure out what our segments are. So personas are a great way to create a segment, a persona for each segment. And you mentioned that like after a couple of years, you get to know your personas. Perhaps we should also spend a minute to talk about new products and how they can actually know who their potential customers are. And so <clears throat> in the case of EDD Bookings, which is our newest plugin and one that's still finding its feet in the market, what we used is the, a demo site. So I have Ninja Demo installed on that site. And basically we have a form where we ask our users during the sign-up process, uh, why they will be using the plugin or why, you know, they got encouraged to use this plugin or where, where they heard of it. And we got some excellent feedback, you know, like now we have a couple of hundred demo sites that have been created and based on what people have asked for or what their use case is, we can get a pretty good idea of which features we need to develop next. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's a, a very effective way of using something like a demo. Another way of doing that is even cross-promoting to your current customer base using something like a uh, promoter.io that will send out emails to customers with a questionnaire asking them, like, why did you choose us? What made what made you want to use Ninja Forms or these particular add-ons? Are you likely to promote them to other people? You got to get a feel for where do you stand with your customer base and you can use that data to help you with your, your, your kind of your persona image and deciding what things you should launch in the future. Mm -hmm. And so... That was step two. So first, just to recap, first step was to start with the end goal in mind. Second step was to think like a user, a customer or an employee. And step three is actually have more questions than answers and challenge everything. James. Yeah, I think that's such a such so a lot of times we go in and I and let, let me I'll be honest, I am sometimes the chiefest of offenders in this area where I think I know more than I do when I start the process. So what I do is as soon as I have an idea, I'm like there it is. Like we'll just do this. But I didn't qualify it, I didn't validate it, I didn't test it. I just I, somebody asked a question, I gave them an answer instead of saying no no no, let's ask another question. What if that, what if this, what if this was the situation? What if they're coming at it from this angle and not this angle? How, you know, ask as many questions as you can, more questions and answers because questions are what are going to help you discover the things you didn't think about. And you even talked about involving the team, like more people involved in the process than just, you know, one person. Like support is a great team to have involved in the onboarding process of a product because they answer all the questions where people get confused. So let's bring those that team in. Um, developers are usually not the best people to answer that question, but let them ask questions too. The more questions, the better, because then you don't leave any rock unturned and you have a lot of opportunity to find and discover something that you may not have found otherwise. Awesome. So step number four, we have a list here and obviously we did that in preparation to the podcast. Number Number four is test and refine. Yeah, I think you want to, you, when, you're, when you're going through the onboarding process, we have this idea that we're going to just solve this process and put it out there and just let it run. But I think you, you know, like anything in business, you want to experiment 
and 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 adjust and change and find out what's working, what's not working. So test test make assumptions. The part of that ask questions, have more questions and answers is have a make start making assumptions and challenge those assumptions with questions and challenge and make an assumption and challenge and make an assumption and keep doing that process and hone in on it. It isn't a one set it and forget it and don't adjust, which actually segues into step five, I think is important because the way a part of the way that you do this test and refine is you listen, 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 like listen to your customers, listen to your support team, listen to the emails you get, listen to the peep complaints you see on Twitter, listen to your reviews, listen to everything that you can and let that be a part of that. I mean, really, to me, step three, four, and five are things that you're just constantly doing in this process. You're constantly uh, having questions and making assumptions and challenging those things. And then you're, based on that assumption, you're doing a test. And then you're going to go through the refining process. And you're going to listen, which is going to bring you back to having more questions and more assumptions. And you're going to keep going through that process. And the scary thing about onboarding is I don't know that it ever ends. You're always going to be doing this in almost every area of your business. So it's better to get started now with a few areas and get a process that's moving so it's not so daunting to to, to improve on that process. Awesome. So this was really interesting. I think these five steps will be one of the key takeaways from this episode. So before we head into the final few minutes of this episode, let's take a short break for our sponsor. I'd like to take a moment to thank WP Engine, one of the premier managed hosting services for the WordPress community. They've become the first official sponsor of Mastermind.fm and have an offer exclusively for you, our listeners. If you give WP Engine's one-year managed hosting plan a try, the first four months are on them. Just enter the coupon code MASTERMIND at checkout. Now, we can't speak highly enough of WP Engine as a managed WordPress hosting service. They're one of the best, and if you're in the market for a host looking to upgrade, or just curious about their plans, look them up and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. If you do wind up on board, send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm and tell us about your experience. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome back. So again, this podcast was really interesting. We talked about a couple of things. We first talked about the definition of onboarding. Then we spoke about several different types of onboarding with employees, users, customers, even affiliates. We spoke about how you can onboard for new plugins on .org. And I I guess for me, the biggest takeaway is these five steps that we'll put in the show notes, but I'm just going to go through them once again so that you'll keep them in mind. So step one, this is how to think through your onboarding process, right? So starting with the end goal in mind, that's step one. Step two, think like a user, customer, or employee. Step three, have more questions than answers. Challenge everything, even your own initial opinions, those of your friends. Everybody should challenge each other. Step four is test and refine. Nothing's ever perfect. And tied with that is step five, listen, listen, and listen. Listen to your customers, listen to your internal team, and listening, listen to yourself. That's why we meditate every day. (laughs) And that's why we have to leave space for us to come up with new ideas and be ready to refine even our, you know, previous judgments and uh, ideas. So I think that's a good summary of what we spoke about, James. No, I I completely agree. I think that wraps it up really well. Um, I encourage everyone, if you've not tackled onboarding, don't, you don't have to tackle everything in your business. Pick one area. 
Pick one area of your business that you'd like to see improved on, that you'd like to see uh, patched up, that you'd like to see the flow better, that you'd like to improve, maybe bring in more people in your community, maybe get better with people using your product, whatever it is, pick one thing and just start working through this process on it and see what happens. I I promise you, if you start doing this kind of work on your business, uh, you will see vast improvements in those areas. And then you'll actually become excited to implement them in other areas because they will start to, those processes, really what we're just talking about is putting into to putting in place processes to help the pieces of your business work and function properly. So I, I encourage everyone to try it out. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up the episode. And before we do that, we have a giveaway announcement. So Cyberchimps, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, they were giving away free access to the Cyberchimps Club. And so we have two winners, which are Joshua Abbey and Michael Cocot. We'll be contacting them via email or Cyberchimps will be contacting them. So thank you for your comments, guys. And, uh, you know, keep, keep listening to the show. Okay, so to wrap up, uh, James, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at James Laws or my website, jameslaws.com. You can find me at Jean Galea, yeah, at Jean Galea on Twitter and jeangalea.com, which is my website. And of course, we always welcome email from you, questions and topics you'd like us to tackle. Please send those to podcast at mastermind.fm. And obviously, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe on mastermind.fm. Thanks, guys. Take care and we'll see you in the next episode. See you next time.